Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, Captain Chris here. Welcome back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Got a really special guest today, uh, Erica Ray Hirsch. Some of you may have seen her on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, an incredible lady angler down here in South Texas. And we are extremely blessed to have her on the Speckled Truth Podcast. Erica, welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, no worries. So, hey, uh, for folks who don't or don't necessarily know who you are, uh, why don't you go ahead? I kind of ask every guest this question, but if you can, go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Um, I grew up in Navasota, Texas uh, on a cattle ranch. Um, there, I spent most of my weekends um, outdoors, um, showed cattle, um, fish in our, our pond that we had there, mm-hmm. um, kind of got m- the love of the outdoors from my grandpa. He was, he's a, was an avid hunter and fisherman. Um, I ended up going to Texas A&M, um, went there for, got my undergrad, loved it so much, went to grad school there. Um, then I lived in Arizona for a few years before moving back to Texas. And currently I work at UTRGV, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley in the athletic okay. department. No kidding. Did you play like college athletics or? I didn't. Um, I, that was kind of the intention whenever I grew up playing softball, but I decided that I wanted to go a different route and I wanted to go to AM and I wasn't good enough to play there. So, um, what, what was your sport? It was softball. Okay. What, what position did you play? Um, through high school, I was a pitcher, but on my traveling team, I was an outfielder. Yeah. I mean, I, I played Juco baseball uh, a little bit in, uh, that, that glory days. Right. And <laughs> yeah. uh, really, man, the, so growing up, you know, being an athlete uh, or trying to play athletics, uh, all the way through that competitive level, it's, it's certainly time consuming, oh, yeah. uh, but that's really, well, I mean, not only that, but playing for an SEC school, that's uh, pretty legit, uh, Sadly, I was never big enough <laughs> and, and certainly kind of uh, my talents uh, just stopped at the JUCO level, which is cool. But that's uh, interesting to hear that, you know, that brought you uh, or athletics brought you to uh, various places. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your grandfather. Was he kind of an influence for you? Because, I mean, obviously you're you're a huge angler now. Um, was that something that was kind of always influenced? I know you said you showed cattle and mm-hmm. kind of were always outside, but. Was he one of those main influences in your life in angling? Oh, yeah. Um, So he mainly was a hunter. He would go on quail hunts and pheasant hunting all over the place. He he went took multiple trips to South America. Um, But he was one of the ones that I grew up fishing with in our pond on our ranch, catfish fishing and bass fishing. And we had perch also. And we would... I remember growing up and going out there and catching catfish from our pond and then going back to the house and, and frying it up for dinner. So yeah, I would say he definitely is an influence for that. Um, 
I never went bay fishing with him, but he definitely is one of the reasons why I have an appreciation for the outdoors. Now, you know, have you, did you ever get a chance to go to the coast growing up here in Texas? Um, mainly just to Galveston. I had never okay. been past Galveston growing up. Um, in college, I went to Corpus Christi a few times, but yeah, that was about as far south as I had gone and about as much as time as I spent on the coast was going to the beach every now and mm-hmm. then. So now, obviously, a huge angler down in Lower Laguna Madre in South Texas, uh, Port Mansfield more specifically, what, what, what brought you down there? Well, my fiance is from this area. He's from the Rio Grande Valley and he grew up fishing. And so I met him actually in Arizona and decided to move down here with him when he got the opportunity to move back to the Rio Grande Valley. And so from there, he kind of had, since I met him in Texas, all he talked, or in Arizona, all he talked about was wanting to go back to Texas so he could go fishing. And so my first time fishing with him was when we moved back to Texas and he wanted to be a, a fishing guide. So that's kind of where I got started um, through him mm-hmm. taking me out um, for my first time. Uh, and I caught a redfish my first time. So I was kind of hooked after that. <laughs> a redfish? Yeah, really? I know. It, it was a big one. It was 27 and a half though. So it's pretty exciting to me. Um, well, I mean, right. So we just had a we just had a pretty unique opportunity to fish together down in Port Mansfield. So I, I'd always seen you kind of on social media posting, uh, and now having literally waited side by side by you, and you put on an absolute clinic. I've told you that a couple of times <laughs> when we're out there. Thank you <laughs> uh, for for folks who are listening and like, oh, okay, you have a lady angler on the podcast. Do not let her. Um, fool you this she can fish a hundred percent and it's really really remarkable i told you this again kind of towards the end of the trip is how uh really an amazing angler you are particularly the fact that you know you didn't fish your entire life and that it's kind of a learned be you know skill if you will kind of later in life but you've really you really are a remarkable angler thank you i really appreciate that it means a lot coming from you too well, I, I didn't really do a whole hell of a lot when I was there because, you know, uh, as you probably saw, I'm, I'm like Speedy Gonzalez and you, know, you guys are waiting in in line and there goes Chris off doing his own thing. That's just how I do things. Right. And, and yeah. that's kind of my approach. And, and it always has been is just trying something different. No, but actually I really made a post on mine, which was, you know, the different approaches that I have. Uh, to targeting fish and and why I fish the way that I do because mm-hmm. it is unique. I look for certain things and I trust the anglers that are around me and especially when I trust the anglers that I'm fishing with and I know that they can cover water, they have great technique. Now I can go and explore because hopefully, you know, I can run into something maybe a little bit different, maybe one of those larger bites and maybe see if something else is kind of existing. But uh, as it turns out, when we were fishing together, um, you know, really kind of wading kind of that deeper water certainly was a little bit better in, in you were just right in the mix, man, just putting the hammer down on those fish. It was pretty, pretty insane. So. Well, yeah. And I get what you're saying about that. Um, cause I, when I, a lot of the people I fish with, I trust also. And so it's, um, 
I think you saying that like you're sometimes you can go off and do your own thing, but you have confidence that you can always go back and possibly be on the fish because the other people are on them. So if you see that, um, sometimes it allows you to branch off and go, like you're saying, try something new. Yeah. Well, I, I would always look to the left or the right and you'd be like 200 yards away, rod bent, <laughs> two or three people around you. My, and, uh, my mentors was, have taught me well, so they, they told me where the fish would be. <laughs> hey, sometimes just following simple direction is a good thing. Chris mm -hmm. sadly doesn't do that, but uh, it, it's cool. So um, I wanted to ask you though, was there like a certain instance or like experience that led you to kind of enjoy maybe chasing big trout? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a combination of, um, multiple things, but it's mainly, it kind of came, I guess I thought about it, um, more so when I caught my first one. Um, and that time I wasn't waiting, but I, I caught a big trout from the boat when I was alone on the boat. Josh was off, my fiance was off waiting um, by himself. And then he came back and I had caught a 27 a quarter trout. And mm -hmm. that was, he was so proud um, in that moment. And I, at first I didn't really understand it, I think. But when I started wade fishing and I realized how challenging it can be, it was, that's kind of where my love for catching big trout came in. It was the challenge. It's mm -hmm. how difficult it can be, but um, knowing that if you do a lot of the right things, that that can lead to you catching, um, catching one. And I think that's kind of why I enjoy it so much is it's the challenge and, and how elusive they can be and but also you can prepare yourself and put yourself in, in a very good position to catch one just by reading the little details. And, and that takes a lot of focus and, and kind of knowing what to look for. So that kind of comes with experience. And so um, over time, I kind of developed that love for chasing big trout. Um, it wasn't like one instance, it was multiple ones that kind of led up to it. But, mm -hmm. but now it's something that I really enjoy. And, um, every time that if Josh and I go out by ourselves or, you know, we have, we're not on a charter, like that's what we're going, that's pretty much what we're going for all the time. So <laughs> trying yeah. to find a big trout. Yeah. I mean, it's the Holy grail here in Texas. Yes. And I mean, I've lived in Florida and really there are really kind of a select few anglers that actually truly call themselves like trout fishermen in the, in the state of Florida. Everybody else is they're you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, talent rich in a fishery where they mm -hmm. have like tarpon to chase or big snook, oh, permit, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, so, you know, a lot of people do chase those. And so really the big trout are kind of almost a, like kind of four or five down like the targeting chain. And so it's pretty interesting, but you know, here in Texas, as you know, and as you do, that's something that, you know, you always kind of, that's the primary target all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to hear you also say that, you know, there's multiple instances aside from just that 27 and a half, that first one you caught now you, and you also touched on like, you know, certain things, reading the water with experience, or is there like something you look for, you know, when you're, when you're out there, is there something that you're trying to pay attention to, uh, kind of as you approach your weight? 
Sure. Um, you know, a lot of it for me is just kind of time of year. Um, and then also water temperature, um, when they, it's really cold, like it was when we went fishing, I knew that a lot of them would be in the deeper water. So that's mm -hmm. kind of why I headed out that way. Um, and, and past experience also knowing that area that I fish a lot on, on like a shoreline, um, and knowing that the big trout have been out there. Um, but then also on the, I guess the other side of that summertime, kind of knowing that they've been in shallower areas or um, like in grassier areas or, or mm -hmm. um, yeah. and then also one of the things that I've noticed of all the times that I've caught big trout is just the presence of bait and nervous yeah. bait. So if I, on multiple occasions, um, just seeing that nervous bait and just casting into it, kind of hoping to, you know, to hook up. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of something, like one of the main things that I look for. And sometimes you'll cast a bunch of times and you won't catch anything, but it just takes that one cast, right? And yeah. so that's something that we always look for when we're going out to a spot. Um, and if the bait's there, maybe the fish aren't biting at that moment, but just working that area until they are, um, has been, it's given us a lot of success looking for trout. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of not overanalyzing things, right? Presence right. of bait, <laughs> water depth, you know, bottom contour and texture, grass, shell, it's like whatever. like the basic, the basic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so I'm the knucklehead, you know wind direction, barometric pressure, you know, wind shift. No, And so that, that was actually one of the really cool things when we were out there. I don't know if you saw it too, because you were waiting in a line with Aaron Holycamps and the Holycamps Logan. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Kyle was right next to you, Ed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we branched off, me, Mike, and Wayne, and Larry was there too. Um, and so me and Mike, man, we, we fished enough together. We're kind of standing next to each other, just kind of talking a little bit. And he's throwing a double D. I was actually throwing that ball tail shed on like a Texas eye, just oh, okay. really trying to like power finesse um, a fish, maybe something they haven't necessarily seen. And mm -hmm. I, was, I was just trying something different. Right. And so me and Mike are standing right next to each other and gentle slope, right. You know, where we're fishing, but really gentle slope from left to right winds blowing uh, kind of, you know, away from us. Uh, and so we're kind of casting with the wind and, what we noticed is, and I was on the end of day one, mm -hmm. which was the, the wind, it was kind of Northeast all day. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if you like right towards the end, it kind of shut off. It oh, almost yeah. went dead calm, right? And then yeah. right when it shifted, right when it, and it was a pretty tough bite. It was still a good bite. We actually caught a lot of fish being post full moon, high pressure. We just had a hard front water, mm -hmm. you know, was really cold, but Right when that wind shut down for that five minutes and then shifted, and it, it wasn't blowing hard, but just that little shift, it told me that that pressure that was coming up all of a sudden just leveled out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw it, but I mean, towards the end of that day, it was pretty on point. I mean, me and Mike were doubled up, you know, pretty much every cast. I know we were looking over towards you guys and, and working that line and you know, you see nothing but splashes around you guys. So we know you, you guys were catching oh, yeah. up pretty good too. So yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Did you notice that? No, I did. Um, the wind change to me is something always like I've been taught to pay attention to the wind change because that can dramatically change the bite. 
So anytime, and also, you know, with casting, right? Knowing which direction to cast. Um, so you kind of, you notice when the, when there's a shift in, in wind, but yeah, the bite really picked up at the end. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know I caught a lot of fish. Everyone was catching a lot of fish. Um, yeah. But no, they were it, it, deeper too. So. No, true. It sucked to leave. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Hey man, it, it is what it is. And it was yeah, an awesome. We ran out of day day <laughs> but but it, it's, it's something, something as subtle as that. Just a slight, you can notice the wind shut down, change, you know, what you came off of weather pattern wise, and you know, kind of what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then when you see it happen and that bite prevail, it's insane. Um, and then, you know, you go back and you log it mentally and you go, okay, when that happens again, you just kind of, again, make another mental note. And so as you're kind of preparing for these next trips and seeing kind of this weather pattern shaping up, you can anticipate fish with confidence and try to dial in that bite, right? And be yeah. at those kind of targeted areas during those targeted times. So it was pretty cool. But uh man, we could yeah. <laughs> we could chase that rabbit and pull that thread a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I really wanted to get into this part, right? And mm-hmm. and it's you being a lady angler. And so as we were talking down there you know, really 92% of our listeners, or at least that we see from analytics on Instagram and Facebook, 92% of our followers are men, uh, 8% are women. And so you and, and lady anglers make up really a small majority of those who follow Speckle Truth. But also too, um, that's why it's important to have you on here is to kind of give a lady's perspective from an angling perspective, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I wanted to you know, ask you, you know, for our listeners, like give us better context of like what it's like being a lady angler within the industry. Um, sure. Uh, you know, I, for me, um, fishing is, is normal. It's not something out of the ordinary. I have a lot of female friends that I fish with. Um, but it, sometimes I guess I forget that there's not a whole lady, a whole bunch of female wade fishermen out there. And, and sometimes um, I think that realization hits, you know, we take someone on a charter and they're just really like surprised that, that I'm waiting with them and throwing a bait caster and all this stuff, tying my own knots. Sure. Um, and, and that's something that I, you know, I didn't start off knowing how to do that stuff. I just, I wanted to learn. So yeah, fishing to me is as a female, I guess that's normal to me. Um, I have a lot of female friends that I fish with. And I just, I kind of forget that there aren't a whole bunch of female wade fishermen out there doing what I'm doing or doing what my friends are doing. Um, but it, I do realize sometimes, you know, when we take someone out on a charter and, and they're surprised that I am out there waiting, that I have, uh, am tying my own knots and I know what lure to use and, and that kind of thing. But um, I, I think a lot of that has to do kind of with um, people aren't really sure if what they see on social media is real or fake. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've gotten sometimes comments on there that aren't really the nicest comments um, about people doubting my abilities. And, mm-hmm. and I get that it's, I try not to let it bother me um, or, or get frustrated by it, but you do, it, it can be frustrating because you see, um, companies using women, you know, to sell their products, but it's based off their looks and not really about mm-hmm. their skill. So sometimes that can, 
I feel like diminish those women that are very skilled, um, but choose to focus on, on skill instead of image. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, I, I think my, my thing is like, I want to emphasize that I am an angler first, you know, I, yes, I'm a lady angler, but, but I am an angler and I'm, I'm just doing what I love. I'm doing it because I like to do it. And I'm really not for any other reason. Um, but yeah, it can, it can be difficult sometimes. Um, just kind of the assumption that I'm not self-sufficient on the water, but anyone who fishes with me knows that. And so I, I, I just tell myself, um, who cares what other people think, right? I'm doing it for myself and not for any other reason. Sure. It, it, would you classify that or consider that like an obstacle or a hurdle yeah. uh, in the industry that you guys have to overcome? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, a lot of it is based off of appearance and, and like, especially with the emergence of social media. And I don't think, I think it can be a little bit harder for women because we are judged more on our appearance kind of than, than, than men, I would say. <clears throat> um, but you know, I don't know. I just, I, I try to stay true to myself, um, true to myself uh, as an angler and being the type of angler that I want to be. Um, and yes, I want to be respected, but, you know, I know that respect has to be earned. So yeah. um, I just want to keep my head down and do what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I can say, I mean, again, as a person who's fished literally right alongside you, and I mean, I don't consider myself a you know, a great angler, but I, you know, I've had enough experience doing this. Um, but again, a person who literally waited right next to you, you are a tremendous angler and you can, you can certainly really, you know, hold your own with really some of the best, right? When I mean, fishing alongside Mike McBride and Wayne Davis and obviously Josh got to throw him in there, you know, but, uh, no, I mean, right there in the mix, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, BTS at K Wiggler's BTS and, and just kind of working that little eighth ounce. Uh, what I think you throw sarge rods, is that right? I'm not yeah. trying to you know plug all your stuff, but my point is, is yeah. you know, with your gear, right? That's your gear. You, you got good right. quality equipment and, and you're right there in the mix, man, just banging them. And it's, it's awesome. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's great, great, uh, insight. You know, it's something that I really don't think about, you know, per se, I kind of do my own thing. We've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that, but I mean, you know, what advice would you give like to other folks? Cause you do have a social media presence. You, you are representing kind of the small, you know, per se percentage of anglers that are actually females out there. You mm-hmm. know, what, what, what advice would you give to other lady anglers in the industry? Um, sure. Uh, so I, I mean, I have had a lot of women reach out just asking for advice on how to get started wade fishing um, what kind of gear they need to get started, like what what are my recommendations on things. And I really enjoy that that interaction. Um, but you know, just my advice would be to find someone that can take you out there to teach you, whether that be a guide, um, another female angler. Um, I'm always saying in my articles, you know, if you're a female and you want you're interested in fishing with us, reach out to me. Um, I'd be happy to, to take on anyone that wants to learn, um, but just be willing to learn. And um, we also, uh, one thing I wanted to mention was we have a class that we're, we'll hopefully be putting on soon, which will be co- taught by 
uh, Captain Wayne Davis. It's mm-hmm. kind of through our this little initiative we started, Texas Women Anglers, to kind of feature different women anglers um, yeah. on Facebook and stuff. And Wayne is really, really wanting to put on this class to teach women how to wade. So just all of the different things that go into it from learning how to tie knot, what gear to use, uh, backing up the trailer to put in a boat, driving Mm -hmm. the boat, um, all those things. So hopefully that's something we can offer in the future. Yeah. Yeah, Is that like an online class or is that like something? So it would be a weekend thing. Um, and the price would include like the cost to, to rent a place and everyone, all the women would stay in one, one house. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that would be a weekend. So like a Saturday, Sunday type thing. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, something that's unheard of kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, it's kind of like a, it's the true like teaching trip, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like you always hear like teaching guides, but this is like really, it almost sounds like a curriculum. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah. So it sounds like curriculum, uh, yeah, so it's not just a guide trip per se or, or a guided trip, but you learn like actual tangible things about fishing and not only fishing, but, you know, being a mariner and, and, and being a water person, you know, waterman. Um, so that that's pretty cool. So like, when are you guys looking to do it? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, hopefully in the next few months, it'll, I think a lot depends on, on COVID and that kind COVID. of thing, but um, yes. it would, it definitely would be a, opportunity they actually already had it planned for um last fall and had all, all the spots filled but oh no um, kidding yeah due to covid they had to cancel so do um, i have folks coming from like like corpus or houston or kind of all over or I think all, or? i'm pretty sure all over um uh, i think yeah it was all the spots were only there were six spots available and they and they were filled uh, um somewhere from people down here but okay um yeah, I mean, it's a really cool thing because I know it can be difficult. I we've taken females out on our boat for with their husbands or boyfriends, and you know they're always eager to get off the the boat and fish and leave their wives or girlfriends on the boat. And so, just I, from past experience, I know sometimes it can be difficult if you're having a significant other teaching you. Um, yeah. So this kind of offers an objective person that is very knowledgeable who can, um, really pay attention to those women's needs. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and not really have like a frustration factor of right. like, cause I mean, Hey, look, let's face yeah. it. Right. If, if you are bar- booking a charter or something like that, you, you don't really get a chance to maybe fish a whole lot. So you want to catch fish, you know, and, and, and not necessarily spend the time teaching somebody else how to fish on a chart. You, you want to get out there too. Yeah. So maybe I, having, you know, something like this, you have like an kind of a, an object or an objective eye to some extent. And somebody who's kind of had a little bit more experience doesn't necessarily feel the pressure to get a bite all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. now they can teach and, and be a little bit more patient, you know? Yeah. Patience is key for sure. When you're first starting out. This season, we'd like to recognize one of our newest sponsors and that is down South Lures. From their regular 4-inch Southern Shad to the 5-inch Supermodel and versatile 3-inch Burner Shads, it's easy to see why these baits have become a go-to for many Texas anglers. Designed with their unique hybrid tail, its natural swims-in-the-fall action produces big trout 
not only here in the Texas coast, but across all estuaries. Aside from that though, they're made right here in the USA. So be sure to support this Texas brand that supports you in pursuit of that next big bite. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Reel's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider Reel Sportswear. Mirror Lure is an iconic inshore fishing lure company found in every angler's arsenal. From their legendary lineup of lures such as the Top Dog and Catch 2000, to their versatile soft plastics like the Little John and Marshmallow. These lures not only catch fish, but have produced for decades. So whether it's a 17MR or a Paul Brown Series Fat Boy, always remember to tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bike. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky have been podcast sponsors for the first two seasons and we're incredibly appreciative. This Texas brand with inputs from the most respectable guides across the Texas coast complete every big trout angler's arsenal. With great fish catching colors, my personal favorites, Texas Turnip, Bay Mistress, Plum Nasty, to name a few, it's easy to see how these things produce time and time again. So next time you're targeting that next big bite, I highly encourage you to fish the original custom Corky. And remember, the big girls aren't colorblind. Now, do you, do you have like certain uh, mentors or influencers into the industry? And if so, like who are they? And, and more or less, I guess, like how, why are they important to you? Like what they do, you know? Sure. Um, well, I mean, the person that got me into fishing, my, my fiance, um, he's the reason that I'm able to do what I do right now. You know, he kind of, got me started in it, um, kind of grew that love for me, um, just by, just through his passion and his knowledge. And, and I just, I would love watching him fish. Um, he wanted me to learn to wade so bad and in the beginning and I was, I was timid. I'm not going to lie. And it took Mm -hmm. a little while. Um, but he pushed me just enough that I was able to conquer my fears and, and now, you know, here I am. And I never fish from the boat unless it's on a charter, but, um, I really do, you know, appreciate all the time he spent teaching me, um, Mm -hmm. everything that I've learned. Uh, and there's a few women that I know, like just from social media or like the legends, you know, Trisha, Captain Mm -hmm. Sally Black. Um, there's this woman I follow on Instagram, uh, Christine Fisher. She's a tournament angler. And she's always talking about what it means to be a female angler. And so I, yeah, I really like um, hearing her perspective on that. And then there's a captain out of Louisiana, Mo Newman, and she, um, her and her husband own a, like an outfitting company and they lead uh, charters and she takes offshore charters and bay fishing charters. And, and then one of the other people that's really taught me a lot is Wayne Davis. Um, okay. He is always giving um, giving us lessons on how to do things. He's always providing, you know, knowledge to us. And um, he's given us a lot of opportunities. So making us a, a part of the, the pro team 
um, which has really opened us up to meeting a lot of new people and um, good anglers. Um, and I, without him, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have this opportunity to do a podcast with you. So, um, but Josh and I owe him a lot. He's, that's cool. um, someone that I look up to also in terms of his views on conservation. Um, he's constantly fighting, you know, to make conservation something that's important. Um, he's changed a lot of, tried to change a lot of the tournaments down there so that, mm-hmm. you know, the limit or the size is 21 instead of you know 25 or whatever so even though people really strongly oppose some of these things he's constantly fighting because he really cares about our bay systems yeah that's a salient point because you know again somebody who's new kind of newer to fishing uh did you feel like the pressures or go through like the um stages i guess if you will uh lack of better terms of like keep wanting to keep everything uh, and having to prove yourself and then ultimately kind of being more mindful about you know what you catch and keep and then being all kind of catch and release or is like kind of catch and release is just something that came natural and just felt good about it or or you know talk to us a little bit about that kind of i guess maturation process if you will sure um well i think for us um josh has kind of always been a catch and release guy you know he'll catch uh, or he'll keep his limit if we're out of fish in the freezer or someone says they want a fish fry um but we if we go out by ourselves we're, we're not keeping any fish unless like i said we're completely out um and that's just kind of how it's always been um and i'm i mean i'm not gonna lie i'm an animal lover so I don't always, I don't like to kill things unless I'm absolutely sure I'm going to eat it. So, so for me, it's just kind of like a no brainer. Um, You know, if if you don't need it, why keep it type thing? So, I mean, I think in the beginning it was more just because, oh, okay, like we don't need it. So we're not going to keep it. But now it's more like a concentrated effort because we know if everyone does their part, then it can make our base systems better. So now it's more like, let's share this with everyone. Let's tell our, our charters, hey, do you want the fish or not? Because but we've taken people out and they keep the fish because they think they're supposed to. And then at the end of the charter, they're like, oh, well, I don't eat fish. <laughs> and, and that's oh, only happened like yeah. one or two times. But, you know, we kind of realize let's be open about it and talk about it. Um, let people know, hey, we're not keeping trout over 20 um, straight away so that, so that they realize why and explaining it to them why we're doing it. And most people are very, very receptive to that. Like, they're like, sure, no problem, whatever you, whatever we need to do. So, um, I was going to ask you, I mean, were y'all met with like a lot of opposition to, you know, wanting to, to keep, or you're like, Hey, we're only keeping, you know, five fish today, no fish over 20. And people like, Nope, that's it. Turn around. I'm I'm going home. No, no. Okay. Cool. Not yet. I mean, not that I know of. We everyone's been like, okay, that's like we're cool with that. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's. A, I, I'm sure you do get those people that if they catch a 25 inch trout, like they want to keep it. But so far, the people that we've taken out, when when you explain it to them, they're they're okay with it. They don't they don't have a problem. 
Yeah. I wanted to shift gears a little bit uh, and, and ask you a couple of questions. And, and I want to share uh, <clears throat> something. And actually, I didn't tell you this, but really on my drive back from Mansfield, I was actually thinking about this. And so when I did a, a talk over at uh, ACFA, which is Alabama Coastal Fishing Association, um, in the crowd was Captain Mary Poe, Jeff and Mary Poe. And I know those two names because growing up in Southeast Louisiana, they were almost always littering like the cover of Louisiana sportsmen. They ran a huge operation in Calcasieu. Um, in, um, basically they were, they had moved over to, uh, Alabama. And so mm-hmm. I had a chance to really sit and talk with two really extraordinary anglers, kind of Southwest Louisiana legends, if you will. And they had now moved to Alabama in their operation, but I had a chance to talk to Miss Mary. And so as I was talking to Miss Mary, and this goes into kind of the next thing I want to talk to you about. When I was talking to Miss Mary, I'm like, Miss Mary, like, what was it like being a female guide? And she's like, Chris, it was actually pretty, pretty interesting. It had some mm-hmm. challenges, right? Mm-hmm. And she, I said, well, she goes, my first charter, you know, that I took, uh, I was obviously guiding with Jeff. That's her husband. And so she had some men come down the, to the boat and she's sitting there, you know, waiting on her clients and, and they come in and they're like, Hey, where's our, where's our captain? And she's like, you're looking at him. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, uh, and they're like, no, we're, we're, we're not going. She's like, how about oh, this no. guy? But, yeah, no, 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 no kidding. And she's like, how about this guys? If we'll go out today, if you are not satisfied and we don't catch fish, I will literally fully reimburse you travel, lodging, whatever. And she goes, we tore them up that day. Nice. She's like that whole day, man, I had like this chip on my shoulder about, you know, performing. Oh, and, yeah. and it kind of speaks to, again, kind of being a lady angler, but not only that, a female charter captain, but it tends to, or it lends to my next question, which is like, like what drives you, what drives Erica Ray Hirsch to be the best angler she can be? Cause I know you write as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like what drives you? Uh, yeah, I mean, from, I guess what I really love about fishing is just how much it challenges me, uh, each time I go out there, um, I feel, you know, that connection with something greater than, than I, than me. Um, and I really, it's one of the only places that I can go and just feel completely at peace and not think about work or think about any of the stresses in life. Um, but you know, I also like, it's continually pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I I think we all kind of need something like that in our life where it's continually pushing us and challenging us. Um, but I, I think it's always that thought of, you know, when you cast and you feel a thump, like those few seconds of not knowing what it is, like, I, think every angler knows like you you live for that for that thump and then like what is it what's it gonna be yeah. is it is it a trout um and so that kind of keeps me coming back uh, and I think you know it's cool because it can be you catch fish because you have skill right but some days it just it's just luck and so you can know everything that you you can know about fishing but then it might not work out. And then the next day you might go out and unexpectedly catch an eight pound trout. You just, you never know. And so I, I, that, I don't know. It's just like 
how much I enjoy being out there. I think it really drives me to want to share that passion with people. Yeah. And then I really, when I'm out there, you know, I think one of the things I really, we've talked about already is just the conservation aspect and trying to preserve our bay systems and learning everything we can about them. And um, that's why I'm, it's really cool to see Wayne, you know, tag, tagging fish left and right for the Heart Institute so that he can, um, we can learn more about why, how fish travel and what they're doing and where they go and at all times of the year. I think I, it's just wanting to preserve something that I love and um, wanting to educate people on that and, and doing my part to, to preserve our fisheries, um, that kind of thing. I don't know, like just being out there, there's right. There's no way to explain it. And I've, I try in my writing, I try to explain how I feel when I'm out there, but you can't really know until you go out there and, and do it. Yeah, that's called, cool. uh, you know, and so those small periods of uncertainty, yeah, like you just mentioned, I mean, I think that drives a lot of people mad. Oh. <laughs> it certainly does for me, right? Yeah, Where, I mean, I love it. I don't know, just... Well, no, I mean, like, right? <laughs> you cast and all of a sudden, boom, you feel that thump. Yeah. You start the hook, and like you said, that small moment of uncertainty before that either, you know, big head shake or a really you know, long drag strip and run, yeah. uh, like a redfish or whatever it is. But until that fish surfaces, particularly down in like lower Laguna Madre, which is like big trout heaven, you know, really you're lucky because any cast could be literally a world-class fish, fish of a lifetime, you know, unlike, you know, in Southeast Louisiana, it's a little bit, it's a lot of work, but yeah. um, that small period of uncertainty, just, man, it is so, it's, it's addicting. You yeah. Know, it, it keeps you coming back with more, uh, you know, focus and just drive. And that's cool to hear, you know, that that's kind of what, what inspires you. It certainly does for me. Right. Because I will do some pretty ridiculous things to, to go and try to get on a big fish. No, seriously. Like, you know, my wife, I was actually just talking to, uh, Mike Herman. He, he makes a couple of swim baits in Southeast Louisiana, big glide baits and big swim baits. And we were talking about kind of that drive and, and how you just kind of have, to, you kind of have to have it. And, and so in, in, with a straight face, you know, it was early uh, spring last year. And so I had woke up, um, on a Saturday morning, made, you know, chocolate pancakes with the kids, um, was a dad all day, you know, went played outside. I think we even went to, uh, like, um, a Bernie, uh, in, and just hung out as a family. All right. So, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, what drives you and, and I kind of alluded to it as well, which was you do write. And so as a person who used to write as well, uh, for Louisiana sportsmen, obviously write my blog and stuff like that. I need to write more, but, you know, talk to us a little bit about kind of your writing process and who you write for and things like that. Sure. Um, so the, the way I got started was one of our fellow protein members for K Wigglers, James Sanchez. He knew that they had an opening for a female writer for saltwater angler. Um, so he said, if you're interested, I can tell Ron. Um, and all you got to do is email him and tell him you want to write. And I said, okay, sure. That, yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, and I had written for my college newspaper. So 
I kind of had some writing experience in terms of writing articles and that kind of thing, but um, I think I wasn't as prepared for how much time it takes <laughs> and just trying to come up with new stories every time. Um, you know, a lot of what I do when I go out for uh, on a trip, trying to think um, from the very start, like what are some differences from the last time I fished? Um, what are some key things that I'm taking away from the day? Uh, is there a cool story to tell? Like, did I fish with, you know, people I haven't fished with before? Um, a lot of times a story will emerge from, you know, a, a fish that we catch. So um, someone will catch a really big trout that, that day or, mm -hmm. and we grind it all day for it. And so um, just talking about the conditions um, during that day and like the anticipation and like the hard work that went into it. So it's really about, for me, looking at the little details and I try to take notes during that time, um, mm -hmm. mentally mainly, and then I'll go back and, and write down kind of like an idea of what I want to write about. And then I go and fill in the blanks. But um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff I write is just whatever happened on whatever the last trip was. Uh, and I think there's just so many different things I could write about. So it's sometimes it gets hard and I try not to make it into like a big, long story about nothing. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really, really, I feel very appreciative to be able to do that and be able to express, um, to have that platform, I guess, to talk about different things that are important to me and that I think are important for people to know. So, yeah, no, that's cool. It, it, I know for me, I'm not a very good writer, but I will say I really like to creatively write. And the that's sad the funnest reality, way. <laughs> it is fun, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a free form of expression. If you can somehow tie, you know, some point into whatever you're trying to make and do it kind of quote unquote artistically. Mm -hmm. But man, I can tell you, it, it's actually really tough to kind of get in that mindset. It's it funny is. though, when I'm in that mindset, like don't, don't bother me because I'm, yeah. I'm in the zone. Typically, it involves like, you know, a little, you know, glass of sip and whiskey or something like that. I just kind of got to get into it. Like uh, I wrote a, sing you know, a single barrel uh, in a floating fat boy. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that in like two hours and you couldn't stop me. Like uh, it, it was just, I was holding it was the bait and I could just see it. You know, I can describe every little nuance of that day. So I can certainly empathize with, you know, a little bit of your writing process and and how you take those notes. But I will say, I don't miss writing admittedly yeah. for a publication because of the demand, right? I right. Mean, I don't know what you guys schedule is. What? Uh, every, so two a month, basically every oh two weeks. God. Yeah. How, how long is it like what? Uh, it, can, words? it can be um, any, anything. Um, mine okay. are roughly around four to 600 words, um, depending on how much I have to say. Uh, the last one I wrote was 700. So the one okay. I just turned in yesterday. Um, but I had was a lot it to say. Trip? It was, yes. <laughs> oh, all right. I see that? So see you'll that see it in not, you'll see it in like a, two Fridays. <laughs> That's cool. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm stoked because we obviously we get those up here as well. You walk mm -hmm. in a academy. That's what's been pretty cool, right? Is like, you know, now doing these things and, and knowing people that have reached out or been followers of the podcast and friends and, 
you know, acquaintances and folks that you've just exchanged things and like, you'll walk into an academy or, you know, wherever, and you'll see like that person in an article or you'll mm-hmm. see that person like on the cover and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, you were, were you on the cover of Texas saltwater fishing magazine? Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, you were on the cover of something though. And I uh, think well, I'm trying to make it the thumbnail of this post. Or yeah. This uh, no, it was a, well, I've been on the cover of magazine I write for. Okay. Twice, I think. Okay. It's that one where you're like, um, it was a beautiful trial. That was a big yeah, trial. Yeah, that that's one of the biggest ones I've ever caught. Um, and that was, I caught two like that that day. <laughs> Six and a half and a seven and a half. So okay. yeah, that, <laughs> that was a pretty was, cool day. Now you caught that on what? Um, one was on a, a plum uh, ball tail. Okay. And then the other was, I think it was on Laguna Flage ball tail. Okay. Which is my go-to. The Laguna Flage K-Wigler's ball tail is, is my go-to in any watercolor. <laughs> yeah. What? Why is that? Why, I mean, I, I know. I, I just really like the natural bait. I don't know. Um, it seems to work in everything. Mm-hmm. Like for me anyways, I've had really good success with with that one. But And then in shallow water, I love a paddle tail. Uh, I've really? caught, yeah, some really good trout on paddle tails too. That's cool. Yeah. Well, um, did uh, did you get a chance to throw the truth? I did. That? Yes. What'd you think? I really liked it. We I caught a lot with that, but eventually I used all mine up, so I switched yeah. to um, one of the plum blue ones. But yeah, that one caught a lot. That I caught the most that whole week, uh, three days with that truth yeah well dude so so check this out and it's kind of been uh taking a little bit of a life of its own to some extent but um you know I really I'll, I'll just kind of go ahead and maybe spill a beans a little yeah. bit here uh, but we're really you know a portion of that sale mm-hmm. um so every bag of the truth in a k wigglers ball tail shed so the color that you know me and the guys kind of helped create with k wigglers and larry and wayne in that color a portion of that sale is going to go back to um really we're trying to decide right now uh, whether that's going to go back to heart research institute or the mississippi gulf coast research lab so we're not taking anything like we we don't get any royalties the royalties that we would get from that color per se Mm -hmm. i say royalties but a fraction of of that sale is going to go back to you know supporting conservation or supporting some agent that oh that's great yeah isn't that cool yeah that's really cool yeah so we're we're trying to you know utilize kind of what we have to to kind of give back again to the resource and so anyway Mm -hmm. uh, i thought that was pretty cool yeah that's really cool and and hopefully it's a good color and and people like it and and it catches you know people a lot of fish but Anyway, um, well, we're getting close, Erica. I got, I got one more question. Um, okay. Yeah, I got one more. So, like, what, what, like, favorite fishing memory stands out to you the most? I normally ask this question on the front end, mm-hmm. um, but I've, I've kind of purposely saved it to the back, mainly because I forgot about it until now. But, um, yeah, what's your favorite fishing memory? Yeah, um, I, I think it's probably that day that I was talking about with the cover that cover trout, um, the seven and a half pound trout and then six and a half and then I also caught a nine pound red 
um, that day was just a crazy day because uh, I was with Josh um, and then the Holy Camps, Aaron and Logan, and we were waiting um, a, a sandy area and it was really the fish were like in a 400 yard area and you just wait, you waited through that real slow. And I mean, we caught so many big trout. I don't, I can't even, um, I think we caught like six, four pound trout, um, a few five pound, like it was insane. Um, one of the craziest days that I've had and the big trout that I caught the bigger of the two, um, I actually saw her like come up from the bottom and, and hit my lure, probably not even like three feet from me. So it, that was just, and I can still picture it in my memory, <laughs> like her coming write, up and smacking it. <laughs> yeah. Did you write a story about I that? I did. One? Yeah, I did. Um, you got to, man. Oh, right? Those yes. little lasting memories. Yeah. I'll never forget, forget that day for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have a bunch, but that one always sticks out because, you know, you're with good friends and then everyone's catching fish and yeah, you like, you want to be the one that catches the big fish, but when it's everyone, it's like, it, yeah. it just, everyone's excited and happy and just is a good feeling. That's cool. Now I know you run with a couple of different folks. So I obviously met, you know, Logan and Aaron, Holy mm -hmm. Camps, awesome people, man. Super oh, yeah. cool. But you know, uh, Some I believe, <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who's your other crew? Yeah. Uh, so Michelle Lucio, um, she's also part of the K Wigglers pro team staff, one of the other females. Um, and then Leslie Gonzalez, uh, her boyfriend's a, a guide also in Port Mansfield. Um, is that a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's her. Yeah, yeah, I sent her a dirty thirty sticker. I think uh, you did last year or the year before, but yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, she's caught some really nice trout, and um, you know they really know their stuff. And I love fishing with them. We can just go out like girls only and and have a really fun trip. And um, I talk to them pretty much every day. And we talk a lot about fishing and the different things we experience and. If we have a question, we ask each other. So it's kind of cool to have that support system. Um, yeah. And you don't feel stupid asking a question, you know, to another another girl. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. And that's cool that you guys kind of have each other uh, and that y'all are kind of all really remarkable anglers. And, and, and I, I say that because I think, I don't know about Aaron, mm -hmm. but I think I've sent a citation sticker to each of y'all. Cause y'all probably, yeah. Michelle, I, Michelle caught a 29 inch trout just, yeah. Like and I, sent her I know she shared it on her Instagram and tip, mm -hmm. and I know obviously a little bit yours. And then I don't know if Erin, uh, if she hasn't, then she needs to. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. No, but <laughs> no, it's cool that you guys have that support system, have each other, and honestly, just remarkable anglers. But Erica, thanks so much uh, for being on the podcast. I really, uh, sincerely, I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, it's, it's kind of a big deal for me. So, so thank you. I, I really have enjoyed talking to you about fishing and um, thanks for having me. You got it. Sorry I rambled so much. <laughs> oh, I rambled too. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you. Well, hey, thanks again so much, Erica. I really appreciate it. 
uh, everyone else who's sticking around. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, really, really appreciate the listenership. If you can, whatever platform you're listening on, I really, really want to encourage you to leave us a like. Uh, also rate us, review us, right? We certainly take to heart all the feedback that we get and uh, just try to be better, right? And, and give these stories and provide these stories. And, and it's really fun uh, bringing these to, to you guys. So can't uh, say thanks enough to our sponsors, Real Sportswear, Down South Lures, um, Mirror Lure, Custom Corkies, Texas Custom Lures, Carbon Line. Again, without their support, couldn't make this happen. So really appreciate it show them some love but until next time guys always remember take what you need release the rest tight lines and god bless take care